Welcome to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann, the podcast where entrepreneurs, business leaders, and HR professionals share tips, strategies, and trends in their area of expertise. They also talk about their successes and struggles along their career and business journey. If you love to learn through storytelling and find people fascinating, join us. Today, my guest is Cindy Sai. She is the founder of Yes and More Inc., a wellness and lifestyle coach. Cindy is actually a board-certified physician. She's a TEDx speaker, a best-selling author, and a wellness life coach. So I'm going to be asking her, why did you become a physician? And then how did you get into wellness and life coaching? Welcome, Cindy. I'm so looking forward to having our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, Hilda. I'm excited to be here. So I pose that question. When we first met, you were beginning to launch your wellness lifestyle coaching. And you told me about the fact that you were, were a physician first. So take us through that journey. Sure. So ever since I was young, I wanted to become a physician. And I was always health conscious ever since I was a kid. Like I would be actually drinking water instead of juice or soda. (laughs) Not eating candy. You know, I just wanted to be healthy. Uh, My dad was a surgeon. So medicine was all around me. And I saw how rewarding it was. And I thought that being a doctor was the best way to help people. And I loved science and learning about the human body. So I felt like being a doctor was a very natural path. And so I had that idea in my head and just was so focused and committed to becoming a doctor. So I worked really hard going to all the top schools like Johns Hopkins, gaining an Ivy League education at Dartmouth, and essentially checking off all the boxes. You know, like becoming a physician is a very scripted and linear path in many ways, right? You don't just stumble into medical school, right? You have to really be attentive and hard because you have to be that good to get in that prescription and stay in the prescription, right? <laughs> Do all the research and all the volunteering and all the leadership and all these things. And, and yeah, so and, and shine and shine so that they'll say, yes, I guess you're worthy <laughs> of becoming into the medical school. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, you know, I, I felt like I was just on this right track to success, you know, and, and things did work out. Very grateful that I had all, all this training and all, all this whole, you know, have, be able to complete it. And, but I think along the way, there were always moments of question of, you know, is this really what you want to do? Right. And I think a lot of times, um, especially in case people haven't sensed it yet, definitely being a high, being a high achiever, you know, it's like, um, it's almost like once I committed, I was like, no, I have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's that's the goal. We're trying to get there. Like, don't get distracted and like whatever. And and so I just kept going. And um, and then along the way, I I got sick. And it was at the end of medical training in residency, um, where I woke up one day not being able to see. Wow. And that was terrifying. (laughs) 
I mean, I remember, and I actually talk about this in my TEDx talk, where I woke, I remember waking up that day, like just the whole room looked dark and blurry, like something was covering my eyes. And I was just like rubbing my eyes, like no idea. And of course, as a doctor, I'm like trying to diagnose myself. <laughs> and so I basically went to see doctors. They couldn't tell me what was wrong, except that my prescription increased threefold overnight. Your and, I, 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 yeah, the eye prescription. And they're like, okay, you know, this is interesting. And, you know, you don't want to be interesting to a doctor. Right? <laughs> no, I want to be easy, straightforward, direct. Like, so thankfully, about a, you know, a couple days a week later, had some other symptoms come up and I was diagnosed with this autoimmune condition impacting my eyes um, that could have led to full blindness. Wow. And so it really was this wake up call to pause, to be like, Hey, what is going on? You know, having been so health conscious, doing all the right things. Right. Um, And why was I getting sick? And so, because thankfully we had the diagnosis, I was started on the the treatment, all the serious medications like steroids, immunosuppressants to to halt the inflammation, right? So it wouldn't get worse. Um, But I didn't want to take medications for the rest of my life if I could help it. Especially when you were so health conscious as a child and water was, was, was better than fruit juice. Got you. Yeah. Prompted me to um, explore. I gave myself permission to pause and to really try to understand the root cause, right? Like, where is this inflammation coming from? Yeah. And I think a big part of the answer was stress. You know, I was, I saw and experienced the impact of chronic stress on the body for patients, but also now for myself as a patient myself, right? And so I think even though, I had been doing all the right things. I was stressed, you know, like right before I got sick, um, I was working night shifts and during the day, instead of sleeping, I would be raising my hand, you know, volunteering for other things, this and that. And then like, that's the high achiever, right? Right. And then like drinking caffeine to stay awake. And then at night be so anxious and amped up that I couldn't fall asleep. And I'd be, my brain would be so busy worrying about, you know, what I didn't do, what I should have said, all these shoulds, you know, yeah. and so, you, so- you, 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 there was no rest. This brain, this body yeah. was going, did you find it hard to give your, you said, give myself permission to pause. Did you find that hard, Cindy? It was very hard. <laughs> and I think it is something I see all the time with clients who are these other high achieving successful leaders, right? Who have been able to do so much. And I think in the world we're in right now, where it's constantly on the go, taking a moment to slow down and to pause feels very foreign. (laughs) And it feels awkward too. You know, it almost feels like something is wrong. And I think for me, as I was going through my healing journey, you know, really looking at um, taking an integrative approach, assembling a whole team of practitioners that were really focused on the root cause and and doing a whole reset. Um, I think part of that was really 
becoming comfortable with giving myself that space, right, to explore. So, yeah. And I like how you talk about root cause because a lot of people will go to a physician, physician will give them something, but it just deals with the symptoms. It, it doesn't deal with why is this happening? And, and really to get to the root cause is where the solution a longer lasting solution rather than a band-aid solution. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's actually what I share a lot in my TEDx talk because I talk about how the quick fix is not a fix, especially mm-hmm. in terms of our health and wellness, right? But I think we have so often, we're so used to just like reaching for that thing, right? And and you know, it's not that there's no place for it, right? In my I think absolutely in acute situations, right? Like quick fix, whether it's medication, like whatever it is, like I used one, right? Like I didn't want to go blind. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also just taking a moment also to look at, hey, what is really going on? Yeah. And yeah. Um, focusing on that. Yeah. So we don't want to say don't do the quick fix because. Right. <laughs> right. When you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we look at the situation and this was critical. Your yes, eyes yes, were critical. <laughs> so no, no, you don't wait for yes, the cause for that. So, so I want to make sure everybody's clear. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't flush your the emergency stuff. Take care of those first. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't just flush your pills down the toilet, you know, like please don't consult with no, your health. No, that's provider. not what we're advocating. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I think basically through this process, really, I saw that there were so many other modalities and tools and techniques that were really supportive in oh, one's overall wellness. You know, I learned about coaching, mindfulness, various energy healing practices and things like that. And so, um, you know, it really allowed me to see that there were so many options out there and that many people don't even know about it. As a physician before, you would know those medical things. How many of those alternative uh, therapies were you aware of before? Did you start to research it after, or were you aware of many of these modalities prior? So I was aware of some of them, for sure. And I think I would really credit my school and education for being open-minded, right, yeah. to, to bring some of those things into the picture. You know, I may not have necessarily gotten significant training or things like that, but at least I kind of knew about it. And, um, but I think when it happened to me, it really prompted me to like dive deep, right? Like I was very motivated to figure out what was going on and, and how to really heal and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you shift from being a doctor to now being more of a wellness lifestyle coach or life coach? Yeah. yeah. So basically, thankfully, I healed my eyes. You know, I got better and I started working as a primary care physician. And, you know, I really wanted to take this integrative approach um, in, in my care with patients. But I felt like there was still something missing. A lot of times with medical um, practices and, you know, there's the time limitation, you know, all of these things that didn't necessarily feel as supportive. And I really wanted to do more than prescribe medications as a band-aid, 
you know, as, as we talk about. And so I, I felt like I had all these experiences, you know, all the training because I was here to make a bigger impact to really help people be healthy and well, right. Focusing on the prevention side and helping people thrive so that they don't ever have to hopefully get to that point of like illness and, and, you know, all of that it's, you know, learning, teaching people how to take better care of themselves so that, you know, they can be well for as long as they can. As a, as you've shifted now to more wellness and life coaching, what would you identify and share with us as three tips or strategies that will help us with our lifestyle or our wellness? Yeah. So I think the first thing is it's really important to be present in your everyday, right? As we talked about earlier, how we live in a very busy world right now, and there's a lot going on. And I know many of my clients, they have to-do lists that are crazy long, you know, just (laughs) you check one thing off and then three things get added. (laughs) And so, so often we go through our days essentially being on autopilot. And it's, um, you know, it's such an opportunity for us to really be present, to actually enjoy what we're doing. You know, sometimes I think we're so focused on that end goal, we miss the whole journey. And so that's number one, learning to be present and mindful and very simple way is even just through taking a simple breath, right? I think for many of us, we go through the day, sometimes even holding our breaths. And so a very simple breathing technique I like to share is called the cleansing breath, where you take an inhale through the nose and then you exhale through an open mouth sigh. I'm doing it with you. (laughs) I mean, that took a couple seconds, but there's just an immediate sense of grounding with that. So I would encourage people to try that out so that you just give yourself, you know, a bit of a pause. And which leads me to to the second point, which is about self-care and really learning to see it as part of your preventive health. And doing it throughout the day so that you can re-energize as opposed to, you know, I think a lot of times people think about self-care as this big thing, this pampering event moment, you know, you go to the spa, you book a vacation, which of course those things are great and important, but you have to wait until like two weeks later before you can finally relax and calm and and re-energize, right? I would think a lot of the people who are listening and seeing this video are saying, yeah, self-care. I I have mastermind groups and and I'm often talking about self-care. And so it feels to them maybe that this is like a big thing. But to me, it's really because I don't spend enough time in self-care. So I'm on a, a journey of conscientiously and consciously thinking about my self-care and I remember sharing with the group one day yeah I did this this and this and it felt I felt like uh, it felt like a guilty pleasure right and she says okay so my mindset is that I feel guilty about doing this for myself and by her pointing out the choice of my words reminds me my journey is still not where this is this is an expectation this is a joy this is 
time you carve out. And it's not because you feel guilty. So again, going back to my root cause of, you know, my mother said, if you're, if you've done all your work, then you can relax. Well, there's, there's always something more you can do, whether it's just cleaning here or, oh my gosh, doing homework yes. or getting advanced in homework, but that message is still there. But I'm oh trying, gosh, trying yeah. to, to do that. So uh, my mastermind group notices that, oh, yes, Hilda, you don't use the word guilty pleasure anymore. <laughs> so, yes, Good. be mindful and enjoy. And self-care is valuable and is 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 to be expected, not, not a guilty pleasure. I could go on about this for <laughs> a very long time. But I think you touched on some really important points I really want to highlight. It's that definitely across cultures and generations, women are often expected to live up to this unrealistic ideal, right? Mm -hmm. And that makes women like particularly at risk for putting their own well-being on the back burner for the sake of others. It's, you know, it's socialization, it's conditioning, it's all these things. So I really don't want people to feel bad about it, but it's like, okay, now that we know, let's change it. Let's do something about it. Right. And I think the important thing that I also want to share about self-care is we hear about it all the time, right? And we've probably heard that airplane analogy, like, you know, put your oxygen mask on first before others all the time. But essentially it's almost become so redundant. We almost like tune it out. (laughs) So, I mean, but um, some other examples to think about is like, think about a car without gas, right? It can't move. Um, you know, or battery power, whatever, (laughs) Um, or a cell phone without battery, right? It's like, we need to constantly need to recharge and take care of of ourselves along the way, right? So that it never goes dead, (laughs) because then we'll have nothing to give. (laughs) Um, And then I think the other thing is to really recognize that self-care is a process and a journey. And every little bit counts. So, you know, wherever you're at, that's great. You know, give yourself that credit. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for those sharing those things, because I think during COVID, people came to that, that realization of finding passions, finding things that bring them joy. Um, I remember doing a webinar and saying, you know, oh, you need to focus on your your healthy work cultures because you want people to stay. When they come back, now you can change the culture, be nice to people, create inclusivity. And what I didn't realize was we'd be off for so long that people would start thinking about, I really don't like selling or I really don't like whatever and find... But I, I, I want to be an artist. I want to, you know, I want to ignite my passion. So, so I think this was important. Talking about passion, you wrote a book to help people. Can you tell us what is the name of your book and yes. uh, what, what made you write it? And what are some of the highlights of it? Absolutely. So here is my book. It's called So Much Better with life-changing strategies to develop calm, confidence, and curiosity to become your own inspiring success story. Yay. And yes, so I um, this is a self-help book that's based in mindfulness. And I wrote it because I, after coaching so many high achievers, I kept seeing the same things come up again and again. 
And I was sharing with them my unique framework called the Inspiring Success Story form, um, Method. And so in this book, I basically share the tools and techniques that I use with many of my clients to help them um, so that it's a very simple resource for people to get started, um, even if we weren't going to work together directly. Yeah. Did you share any of those tips or you want to share some now if you haven't kind of told us earlier? Yeah. So basically, the Inspiring Success Story method is about breaking down into uh, mastering the three key pillars of calm, confidence, and curiosity. And so specifically, calm is about regulating your nervous system, right? And how your body acts in times of stress and things like that. So um, the breathing technique I shared earlier is a really great way to just help yourself be calm and present in the moment. Um, confidence is about rewiring your brain. So really changing your sense of self-belief and building that sense of confidence, right? And knowing. And so a big part of that is really looking at your mindset as we kind of even, you know, talked about briefly earlier, because it is so important. We are, we have tens of thousands of thoughts every day, constantly. And a lot of them are actually repeated. And they're essentially stories that we've told about ourselves from years, years ago. And so it's really important to make sure your mind um, is in a good place to support yourself. And then curiosity is about bringing in the play and the fun and really connecting to your true self and your inner wisdom which I promise you, you have, everybody has that. <laughs> but a lot of times when we haven't been in touch with that side of us, you know, it's essentially dormant. Think of it like a long lost friend, right? And, and, and we just haven't been in contact. And so it's really bringing in and connecting to that area of yourself as well. So if you think about it, it's actually about, calm is about the body, um, confidence is about the mind and curiosity is about the soul or spirit. So it's really an integrated mind, body, spirit approach to your well-being to help you really be aligned to who you are so that you can have all the success you desire and have that dream life you deserve. I love the framework. I love the three C's and yeah. I love how you've tied it with mind, body, and spirit and and create more joyfulness in, in a person's world. It's part of the journey of self-discovering who you are and, and identifying that potential. And, and you and I have talked about it, but we've talked about the fact that the, the name of the podcast is Rev Up Your Potential and that Rev Up stands for Respect, Equality, Valued, Uniqueness, and Potential. And I wanted you to share what your thinking about the rev up concept, given you have this beautiful framework of calmness and confidence and curiosity. And I have this rev up concept to really help people become the best version of themselves. So interesting and interested in your take on on our two thoughts and yeah, models. I love, love the values that you share in Rev Up. And I think it's so important because to 
start from the point that everyone is inherently worthy and valued. Mm, exactly. Right. And I think for me, a big part of my journey was really shedding a lot of that conditioning of how um, thinking that I had to reach a certain point or have a certain accomplishment in order to prove my worth, so to speak. Right. And, and so yeah, yeah. I think it's really helpful to now that I've been through all that and learned all the way, you know, been able to, to come to this side to see that, yes, it's so important for people to know that, that you are enough right now. Right. And I think, you know, what the Reva values really stand for really reflect that right? In terms of, you know, that uniqueness, you know, and having that respect, that innate respect, right? And all of these things. And I think it's really connected in terms of just, it's only when you are well, right? Can you do your most important work in life? And that's to share your gifts that only you have to make our world a better place. Yeah. And that's what excites me is, is what the work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing is that I want people to find that uniqueness and really tap into that. And as you say, what you are now is enough. It's good enough. You want to keep moving in that direction of even being better. But to do that, you need to gain that confidence in yourself and be and value who you are as a human being. You know, that's why I love bringing on people uh, to talk about their journey because I love to learn through storytelling and. And I know that this is an amazing story, you know, a physician who decides that, you know, they want to do more and they find their journey. Now they want to share that with with people. Cindy, what would you say is a key defining moment for you? In terms of my career and my. You define whether it's your career or or personal or a combination. I I don't know what that will be. You share what you think is your defining moment at this moment. <laughs> well, I, I think that professionally, giving a TEDx talk last year was a really great moment for me. And um in the talk I, I shared about my struggle, right? getting sick and having to question what I've been taught in all of my years of medical training. And I think that it was a really great learning experience for me to prepare for the talk. Um, For those who have known me for many years, I grew up very, very shy and very much an introvert. And to get to a point today where I'm on stages and speaking all these things, you know, it's, it's totally different. Like my family, they, they see that. And so I think it's really, um, I share that because I, I hope the, for the listeners, you know, if there's something that's really speaking to you and you're like, okay, I think I can do it, but it's so different. Like trust in that. And know that it's a journey and all of these things are skills that you can develop. You know, like I like this phrase of how every expert started as a beginner. And so I think. And when you hear stories of people who are, you know, they're Brene Brown, 
you know, I spoke at every possible thing I could for free, you know, and now look at her. She's, she's renowned. It, yeah. It starts with an idea and a passion. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then I, the TEDx talk. I remember <laughs> seeing you that, that suit was really sharp <laughs> and you look very confident. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's funny because um, it, it definitely is different. Um, you know, just such a big stage and great opportunity to share and spread a message. Um, and I remember thinking about how um, is very intentional. You know, you have to memorize the whole thing, but um, it's it's not just the talk; it's it's everything. And and it's um, I think it really allowed me to um, learn the skills of being a dynamic speaker and to really be able to share a message and to connect with with a larger audience. So that was a really great experience for me. So. What advice would you give to listeners? Given you, you've given us your tips in terms of of your expertise, but what advice would you give to listeners? Mm-hmm. So I would say that one of the best things to do is to practice gratitude in your every day, in every way. And so we hear about the importance of gratitude, right? All of that. Um, But I I encourage people to be grateful for all the things that are working, but also the things that aren't. (laughs) Because it's important to see it as lessons and experiences that are actually meant to take you further in your journey, right? And I think so often we will like, we hear about, okay, a gratitude journal, writing the three things you're grateful for. And, and it's like, okay, well, wrote it down, done, moving on, right? It's like, no, gratitude is about being in the moment, like embodying it throughout your day, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, where it's just like putting <laughs> another thing on your list to do. <laughs> we see gratitude as something that you can be in. It's a state that you can be in at all times, right? And I think that energy is actually what will bring more goodness to you, right? When you're in that space of being grateful, being appreciative, um, and and being open and curious of like everything that's happening so that you can welcome more good into your life, abundance, love, whatever it is, um, so that, you know, you get to enjoy the life that you're meant to live. Two things. So I do a gratitude list, but I do, I, it takes me a while because I just, I'm in the moment and the gratitude could be, I just did nothing today and I'm so happy. (laughs) So gratitude doesn't have to be, Oh, I, I just got this contract or whatever. It can be whatever. So, so yes. And I think when you practice a mindset of gratitude, then it is a more positive way of seeing things rather than, oh God, this happened to me. Oh, this happened to me and it has taught me to be more patient or it has taught me to to see that that I can do this, right? I can get out of my my fear, uh, you know, fear moment and I and I can do it. So so again, if you think from that gratitude perspective rather than the, oh, this and this struggle negative happening thing uh this will be 
more mindful, more relaxing, less stress. It's all good. So I, I yeah, love I, I love that that advice. <laughs> absolutely. And it's a practice. And so if people are open to trying, I actually share this with my clients where I'll tell them, okay, yes, write a list, but actually write different things every day. Because mm-hmm. that will really train your brain to look for all the things that are working as opposed to not working, right? Because our brain has this filter. And so we really need to retrain the brain so that we can be in that more positive, supportive place. So what's happening next for you, Cindy? I've watched your trajectory from the time you were starting. I'm going to start this um, mindfulness thing and I want to do this and then the book and everything. So I'm so excited on the journey that 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 has uh, that moved in a very, very uh, almost a high achiever way. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's been fast, but definitely. And you look you look so happy and and confident and I think you're you're pleased with the journey and how you're reaching people. So what's happening next? Hmm. Well, I think one of my projects this year is so I wrote my best-selling book. It was published last year. Um, I would like to do an audiobook version because especially in the book, I share a lot of um breathing exercises, things like that. So being a mindfulness teacher myself, I lead a lot of these meditations and visualizations. So I'd love to do that. And I'm also looking to bring it to the Asian market and to translate the book um, because I grew up in Taiwan. I don't think I mentioned that. And so um, I feel like a lot of um, really learned in integrate a lot of Chinese cultural values and all the things growing up. And I really think this could benefit a lot of the high achievers who are there um, so that they can really take better care of themselves and really feel so much better as my book says. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you're, you're, you're expanding that to, yeah. to larger and different markets. So congratulations on the success that you've had. The, the impact that you will continue to have for those who want to to take advantage of of what you do. How do people get a hold of you, Cindy? Absolutely. So I am available on social media. My handle is at Cindy Sai MD. I think you know there will probably be notes, but C I N D Y T S A I M D. Um, most active on LinkedIn. Please, if anything I said today resonated reach out, connect with me. I'd love to hear about your journey and to see if I can support in any way. And then um, there's always my website, cindysitemd.com, where I have a bunch of freebies, resources, um, as well as the latest events. So make sure to follow and stay connected. And is your LinkedIn, can people get connected with you through LinkedIn as well? Yeah, at Cindy CyMD. So feel free to search for me there. And I would love to hear from you and, and connect. Well, thank you, Cindy, for being my guest today. I I certainly continue to learn more about you every time you and I chat. And I I believe the the audience, the viewers, and the listeners have said, wow, this is really powerful stuff. So if you loved what you heard, do give it a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more stories about interesting people who can add value to your own life and help you rev up your potential, 
follow us and subscribe. Thank you very much to people who are listening and viewing you today. And thank you again, Cindy, for being a wonderful, wonderful guest. Thank you for tuning in to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and Spotify to stay up to date on our latest episodes. For HR tips, news, and strategies, or if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, visit our website at peoplebrightconsulting.com.